Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Now, a couple of notices before we um, kick off. First of all, this is your last chance to uh, enter the podcast survey for 2018. I'm going to be pulling it down soon. So if you'd like to give me some feedback on the podcast and what you like about it, what you'd like to change, any ideas or suggestions you have, then please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash podcast survey. You've only got a few days left, so please go and do that if you'd like to give me some feedback. Um, second, I was just reminded of this actually um, a couple of hours ago as I was going through um, some uh, sample illustrations. I think I've mentioned before that I am working on a new German beginners program, um, which was inspired by the Spanish program I released last year, which was all based around story. And uh, this new uh, German program is uh, it's it's shaping up very very well, and it's and it's super exciting. And a, a couple of hours ago, we were just um, looking through some samples for the illustrations uh, for the course, which have come back, and they're absolutely brilliant. We've got this kind of um, beautiful German town with the, you know, colored, bright colored walls with lots of details in, in the background and this big town square and the main characters of the story all doing various things in the shot. And we were looking at all these different concepts. It's quite interesting with the illustrations, actually, what they, what the illustrators do is they kind of, they kind of put together a little mock-up and they send it over to you and you can ask them to move things around and, and, um, change concepts. Uh, so that you kind of nail down exactly how you want it to look before they go ahead and do all the detailed artwork and stuff. It's, it's been really interesting to do that. Uh, so the course will be coming out in a couple of months' time. And if you'd like to be notified about that when it does come out, then um, you can go to germanuncovered.com. This is the name of the course, germanuncovered.com. And there'll be a, a like a notification list there. You won't receive any other emails uh, about anything else it'll just be um some uh we'll just tell you basically when the course is uh is ready to be released and as usual there are um special offers for um people on the mailing list who would like to get involved um usually in the form of, of discounts or, or or something like that just for the, the very first people who get on board so again if you'd like to hear when that comes out if you've got any interest in learning german which is a fascinating language, then um, go to germanuncovered.com and you'll be the first to hear about uh, the course. All right then, the sponsors of the show, italki, are also a great place to get German speaking lessons. But not just German, it could be Spanish, Japanese, Chinese, Mongolian, whatever language you like. And if you'd like to get a free lesson, you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. All right, that's three links I've given out already. And we're only three minutes in, so I'll try not to give any more links out for the rest of the show. All right, today we've got a question that came over email from Andrew, and uh, I'm going to read it out. So Andrew says, Hi Ollie, I recently found you on YouTube and from there your podcast. I've listened to three episodes so far and found them useful. Thanks, Andrew. Could you talk about environment and how it affects learning? I've lived in Tokyo for over 16 years teaching English and surviving despite knowing little Japanese. Last spring, after years of studying, stopping and forgetting everything I learned at least three times and having been stuck at beginner level for years, I started taking five to six lessons a week and pretty soon my Japanese improved. 
I already had everything I needed to study at home, but I've only made progress when I put myself in an environment where there are no other distractions. I like to take myself to a coffee shop and do work there. However, there is still the problem of my smartphone. I found that my social media online and on my smartphone has weakened my powers of concentration. I used to get into a flow state studying languages or reading fairly easily when I was younger before the internet. While I now have apps on my phone that help my learning, the other apps, and he mentions here Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., have perversely rewired my brain to expect short-term rewards and I have a hard time sitting still. And then um, he said, goes on to say, I know what it was like before this technology and I don't think the convenience we've gained outweighs the shortened attention span that this technology produces. Uh, what are your thoughts vis-a-vis language learning and social media? All right, Andrew, I really like this question and it's one that we have talked about before, but it was a couple of years ago. So it's a high time to repeat this actually. And this was brought back to my attention in a, in a weird way a few months ago when I was giving a talk for the European Commission um, on the European uh, Day of Languages. And I was giving this talk in uh, Kensington in London and I made the point, or I, I said in this talk, that I wasn't a big fan of, of apps for language learning. And the reason is because I find that it just saps my, my concentration and I have very um, short attention span, everything that, you, that you've said. And there was, one, there was this girl in the audience, I think I've told this story before, this girl in the audience, basically, she, at the end, she challenged me on this and she said, you know, I, I don't think that you're right to dismiss apps because I, I use lots of apps and they're very useful for me. And I said to her, I replied, well, I think, well, that's great. You know, if you know what works for you and you've got stuff that, that that's working, um, whatever medium it is, then that's great. Keep doing what you're doing. That wasn't enough for her though. And she kind of carried on and said, uh, no, but I think you're, I think you're wrong about apps. I think apps are great. Um, and, and, I, and I said, okay, great. Well, you know, it's just my experience that I, that I'm, that I'm recounting. And then she said, she said, I think maybe it's a generational thing. You know, us younger people, we, um, we, we grew up with this, with apps, so we know how to use them. And at that point, I kind of realized that she was, she wasn't going to let this go. And so I, I just, I kind of conceded the point and, and, and moved on. Um, but I think that, uh, well, what I learned from that is that is first of all, um, don't argue with millennials about technology. And secondly, uh, that I think, Using the term apps and social media, it's getting very distorted now because there are so many different things out there. And like, what what is an app exactly? Um, you know, one this this girl. The point that she made was she was uh, using the app for Le Monde, so the the French daily newspaper, to read um, the French news on her phone. And she said, "Well, that's an app." And, and so my response to that was, "Well, yeah, it." It's kind of technically is an app, but it's not what you're, you're doing exactly the same thing as you would be doing if you just bought a copy of the newspaper and sat down. Like there's nothing particularly different about it. So I think really what, what her point was, what she was trying to get at is that the internet, smartphones, apps, and things like this, they, they put all the learning in the palm of your hand. You have everything you need. Therefore, they are great. And I think for many people, I'm sure that's the case. I know, you know, all, all the contacts I have with the listeners to the podcast, um, readers of the blog, many, many people are big fans of, of apps and technology. Having said that, I have a different experience. 
And all I can really do here is talk about my own experience, which is much more like you have mentioned, Andrew. Now, I, I did a I had a conversation a couple of years back here on the podcast with Luca Lampariello, and I'll, I'll link to this at the end of the show. And it was a two-part episode, and we talked about is technology good for language learning? And one of the things that we one of the things that we came down on was the fact that we both remember what it, what language learning was like before the internet. Now, why is that relevant? It's relevant because of exactly what Andrew mentioned, which is the the fact of sitting down in a quiet place with no distractions and just getting on with it. Now, what I've noticed since the advent of the internet and all the different apps and technology that come that have come along is that on the whole, there's very little that you can do with technology that you can't do with a good old fashioned book and a note and a notepad and, and pen and paper or whatever. You know, the game hasn't changed. There's nothing that's come out technology wise that has really altered the landscape and has drastically changed how languages um, can be learned. With one exception, which I would say are space repetition, uh, space repetition software because it's just so useful for storing vocabulary and helping you review vocabulary, which is a very cumbersome manual task. If you're going to do that, you know, using flashcards, using like pen, pen and paper, physical flashcards. So I think space repetition is a great thing. The other thing is simply access to material. So in the case of the girl who said, like, I read Le Monde on, on, on my phone, what the internet has done is it's given you access to material. So you can now get reading material for anywhere in different languages you can get listening material easily but fundamentally what you then do with that material is exactly the same if it's a newspaper well you still got to read it right and if it's listening material you've still got to listen to it and what i've found is that whenever i am near my smartphone or my laptop the internet in any way i come down with this catastrophic case of short attention spans and I just get distracted so easily. Now it's I there are people, I've met people who kind of dismiss this and say, well no, just don't look at your phone. And there are people who have these this ability to kind of switch stuff off, right? To you know literally either switching off your phone or else uh figuratively, you know, just just they they they're born with 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 strong willpower. They don't suffer from the same uh addictive effects from smartphones as other people do. And this is part of what makes this discussion uh, quite nuanced, I think, because everybody's different and reacts to this stuff in different ways. I can't say what it's like to be a 21-year-old having grown up with Facebook and Twitter. I I, I suspect that it's not a very positive thing in terms of um, attention spans and things like that, but but I can't be sure. It's just, a, it's just a, a, um, a suspicion. But certainly one of the things that uh, leads me to be able to say what I've said here is because I remember learning my first languages with nothing more than a textbook. When I first started learning French and Italian back in 1999 or, or 2000 or whenever it was, I had to go down to the local European bookshop in in uh, in Soho, where, where it was at the time in the, in the UK, and look through the, the the all the books. I had to go to my local library and pull stuff out there, which came with tapes and CDs and things like that. And then when I sat down to study, there was no there were no smart. I think I had a mobile phone maybe, but it was just text messaging and, and calls back then. You know, the internet was just barely a, th- a thing. And so my, I think what 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 was what's important in my case is that I had success early on with languages before the internet. And so when the 
as things have developed and new technologies come along, when I try out new technology for language learning, and likewise, when I sit down to study with my phone next to me, I'm very, very conscious of the fact that I'm not concentrating properly and I'm not studying as well as I should be or as well as I used to be. And it's with it's because of that prior experience that, 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 I'm, able, that I'm able to say that. And I, I'm sure that many people listening to this will have the same uh, the same memories or the, or the same the same reactions. Now, there was a book that came out a couple of years ago by uh, Dr. Cal Newport called Deep Work, and I recommend that everybody uh, picks up a copy of this because it is it's one of the most influential books that I've ever read, and it it relates to how people get and become very productive. So he uses the example, you know, of how do certain university professors balance a busy academic uh, teaching schedule with publishing 10, 15, 20 papers over the course of the year? How does someone with a busy office job manage to write a novel over the course of it? You know, how, how do people get stuff done? And um, he looks at it from a variety of different perspectives uh, over the course of the book, which is very useful. But one of the most memorable things from the book is a, a, a section where he talks about social media and the effects of social media. Now, they he they have demonstrated, he cites a number of studies where they've demonstrated that the atten- your attention span is adversely affected by social media, but it's not as simple as you might think. So if you are sitting down to study and your phone is next to you and your your notifications go off, then obviously that affects your attention span. That's uh, kind of a no-brainer. And, you know, the simple solution is to switch off the damn phone. This is something that I've started to do whenever I'm studying now. Because I, I like to study in the mornings. Um, and I kind of feel silly going on Facebook in the mornings or, or checking my phone or whatever. So I just leave my phone by the bedside and I go off and study in another room without my phone. Um, so I think in terms of the actual immediate distraction of, of, of your smartphone, then just simply leaving it elsewhere or turning it off is something that everybody can do. But the the point of these studies that Cal Newport cited is that it's the really dangerous effect of social media is that because you get used to responding to and waiting and expecting this kind of new stimulation coming in from social media and notifications all the time, what that does is it trains your brain over the course of you know your normal daily life to kind of flitter from one thing to the next to expect these new distractions to come in such that when you then sit down to study even if you've left your phone away uh, in, in another room and it's turned off even if you have no technology with you your brain has become more conditioned to distraction and it's, it develops a shorter attention span because of the ongoing effect of social media and smartphones in your life and that reading that for me was a, was a was a massive um, eye opener, and it's something that I've paid a lot of attention to recently. I mean, I'm in Hong Kong right now, and one of the things I love to do when I'm traveling is post Instagram photos, right? And for the first week or so that I was in, in Hong Kong, I was posting stuff on Instagram, and then one day a few weeks ago, I just caught myself walking down the, the road, and I, without even realizing it, I, my phone was out of my pocket. I'd I'd flicked across to the fourth or fifth screen on my phone where I kind of hide my Instagram app. And I um and I opened it up and I was just browsing through random people's photos of I don't know what, what stuff they had for dinner or whatever it was. And I wasn't even aware I was doing it. And I thought to myself, look, if what 
what what what should I be doing with this time? I could just be daydreaming. I could be thinking about things. I could be you know look what looking at people around me, creating opportunities for serendipity, all all these different things. There's a huge. I, I really believe there's a huge cost to this stuff, and um and I, I deleted the app then and there, and I've now deleted all social media from my phone. I don't, I don't have Facebook, I don't have Twitter, I don't have Instagram, and. The truth is that sometimes I will open those up in the browser because I just, I, I, you know, what can I say? I Sometimes I just want to or it happens or I want to post something or something, whatever it may be. But having that stuff off my phone means that I'm now training myself not to go to that stuff as a kind of default whenever I have a bit of free time. And there is a, an instant effect. I think the longer you go without it, the 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 larger the effect is as you start to, uh, you know, just get off the, the kind of hamster wheel of constantly checking stuff. And, you know, I think there is probably a very strong case for saying that your the relationships in your life will improve as a result of stopping using social media uh, because you will be paying more attention to them. And rather than looking for the quick fix of, of Instagram or whatever, you will, you might you have more time and space to think about how you can... Um, become more engaged with the, the the existing relationships you have. Cal Newport's advice in the in deep work in the book is to um take a, a one month, I think he says one month, um cold turkey um break from social media and not tell anybody. So don't post that you're going cold turkey, don't tell anybody. So just do it. And then um notice whether your life is adversely affected in any way. And of course, the reality is that if we all quit Facebook and Twitter tomorrow, our life would go on exactly the same as it was before. Your friends would still call you. Your family would still care about you. You would find other ways, probably better ways of becoming fulfilled. And, um, uh, but I think the, 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 the benefits, the peripheral benefits of that are so huge that it's, um, it's worth doing. So I, I haven't quit social media altogether. Largely because of, you know, what I do here at I Will Teach Your Language requires a social media presence. And so I do post a fair amount of stuff. I try to automate it where I can, so I'm not actually on the social media all the time posting um, at that time physically myself. Um, but I do care about the communities I have. So I do log on fairly often to, to see what people are saying, to reply to comments, to chat with people. Um, I I feel it's my responsibility to do that, really. If people have been following me and they and they get in touch, I, I want to be there and available for, for conversation. But I, I focus on that rather than doing it for my own stuff. So I don't really post on Facebook anymore. I don't post, I've got rid of Instagram. I do post on Twitter from time to time. Um, I don't know why I do that and not the rest. Who knows? It's a work in progress for me. But I, what I'd say overall, um, in case it wasn't already clear, um, is that, yeah, I, I think that for language learning in particular, Andrew, given that it's, this this won't be a problem for everybody, right? There'll be people listening saying, well, this doesn't affect me at all. Great. Good for you. But for people like you and me, Andrew, who it does affect, then I would suggest taking radical action to deal with this because you've identified it's a problem. And, you know, you ask more generally about your environment and language learning. And I think the environment is everything. It's everything. It's like losing weight. It's the same thing, you know, get the chocolate out of the house. It's the number one rule. <laughs> uh, we our willpower is, uh, you know, not what it should be. Well, m- mine isn't at least. And so I think the more that you can do to control your environment, the, the better success you will have. This is partly why what I like to do is have this what I call core study time um, in the morning, 
where I, I, I get up and I do an hour of focus study, deep study, with no distractions from people or technology or, or anything. And I like to get that done and out of the way um, first thing in the morning because then whatever else happens during the day, it's a success. And part of the like, integral to that being successful is having a no distraction environment. So in your case, Andrew, you know, if, if the, your time in the cafe is, is your golden time, leave your phone at home. You know, I don't know if maybe you have it with you after work, in which case, well, you know, turn it off and stick it in your bag. Or if you go out from home, leave your phone at home. Like, it's amazing. The other day I went, I spent the whole day out in Hong Kong without my phone and I loved it. It was a bit, <laughs> the first, first few hours I was a bit edgy. But then once I got, once I kind of uh, calmed down, I realized, man, I'm just thinking about all this great stuff. And I did a bit of meditation. I did some reading. I wrote down some thoughts I was having. It's great. In fact, let me give this as a challenge to everybody listening to this right now. Spend one day next week without your phone. And then come and let me know how it was. I'm, I'm very interested. But at the very least, in your language learning time, if you feel this is a problem for you, then go to extreme lengths to cut out these distractions from your study time. So if you if you want to read an article from the internet, print it off. If you want to, uh, I don't know, listen to audio or something, buy an old uh, iPod Touch or something. For, for, for $20 without an internet connection and stick all of your audio on there. It's, it's worth, it's worth doing this stuff. I guarantee. All right, then. Thanks for the question, Andrew. Sorry for my long rambling answer. I hope that was helpful in some way. If you'd like to ask me a question, you can go to I will teach you a language.com forward slash ask to do that. And at the end of every episode, I'd like to leave you with a resource of some kind on the topic of the show. And today I'm going to point you to this discussion I had with Luca. Um, and it was, episode 51 and 52 of the podcast. So you can go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode 51 or 52 and uh, that will uh, take you to that episode where we have a more in-depth discussion about this and uh, Luca's great at articulating his, his thoughts on, on language learning and, and everything. So um, go and do that to listen to him, if not to me. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You know, one of the questions I get asked most often about language learning is how to improve your memory. Because things get so much easier when you learn new words and you don't forget them later in conversation when you really need them. So what I decided to do was to put together a, a, a short email course. It's a three-part email course over three days that teaches you my favorite techniques for memorizing vocabulary and actually putting that vocabulary into your long-term memory. It's a short course, three days, it's completely free. And if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash free memory course. 